Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May the 18th. And our chapter for today is Esther chapter 8. Well, at the end of chapter 7, we left Haman hanging, pun intended. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. And on that day, this is chapter 8, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. What Haman had intended to do to destroy the Jews, God, by his great sovereignty, turned that around and providentially made everything to work out for the good of his people and for the glory of God himself. How amazing is our God. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman. That wasn't just his house. It was his entire estate. And he was the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. Now, remember, this had been kept a secret simply because of the circumstances and what was going on. You see, there is a time to hold something back in a mystery, and there is a time to make that mystery known. God does that himself. There's nothing wrong with keeping something to yourself. As a matter of fact, we would do much better a lot of the time just to be quiet and to not talk so much. That's true then, and it's true now. Remember, God himself has musterion, translated mystery in the English language. As a matter of fact, the word mystery is not an English word. It's a Greek word, musterion. The U is rhythmically changed in translation from a U to a Y. We see that in the word hupo, which becomes hypo, and on and on and on. This is just part of the quirk of language as it's translated one to the other. Now, why am I telling you that? It's because God, down through the ages, has withheld things from his people until they were ready to receive it. Now, that's instructive for us. For instance, Jesus didn't talk about any rapture, any mystery that would in any wise lead us to believe that there was going to be some kind of great taking away of the saints of God before the great tribulation period but that people would just die as they normally do. But the Apostle Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep, we'll not all die, but we all have to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 51 and following make this plain. Why? Because we can't go go to heaven like this. But this was a mystery. Now, a biblical mystery is not like CSI or some kind of mystery that we see today. This is not a mystery in the classic whodunit. 
This is a mystery that is hidden in the heart of God until the time that it's right for it to be revealed. And so what Esther was doing was something that God has patterned down through the annals of time and history. There is a time to reveal something. There is a time for everything under heaven. And the great mystery for us is having the discernment in knowing when to speak and when not to speak. And so Esther had held this in her heart that Mordecai was indeed her relative, close relative, and no doubt she told the story of Mordecai and how he had taken her in as a young girl, how he had prepped her, how he had guarded her, and then how he had saved the king's life. All of that was made known. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman. Remember, before he hung him, he took that ring off that he had given to him, and he gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Why? Because It had been given to her by the king, and she was queen. And so she gave all that she had to Mordecai, who had given to Esther as his own daughter. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out his golden scepter toward Esther. That means that he had received her. So Esther arose from her kneeling and being uh, prostrate before him. And she rose up and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come upon my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? You see, Esther knew that even though this great plot had been revealed, It had been written in the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. But she begged mercy from the king and let him decide how to handle it. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai, the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. Now make this very clear. This was a statement from the king of Persia saying, keep your hands off the Jews. And you yourselves, he says, write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke, not even the king. So the way this was handled was not that Esther got her wish that the law could be revoked that the king had been led to do by the wicked Haman. But on the contrary, a new law had to be written to replace that one, so to speak, so that the new law would give the Jews the ability and give them the impetus to protect themselves and, yes, even to counteract and destroy their enemies. So, verse 9 says, the king's scribes 
were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps and the governors and the princes of the provinces. There were 120 of those from India to Ethiopia. Now, this gives you something of the dimensions of the vastness of the Persian kingdom. It was incredible. And I've said this over and over again. The Persian people are a great people. Let me say it again. The Persian people are a great people. The people themselves have been hijacked by a false and radical religion called Islam. Yes, I said it, a false and radical religion called Islam. It has hijacked the people. And the only way that it can stay in power is by force. That is what we see happening in Iran since the days of the overthrow of the Shah of Iran back in the late 70s. Now, the reason I'm saying this to you is because The Persian people were an admirable people. They were smart. They were brilliant. And they ruled over the vast area that we call the Middle East today, North Africa, over into Western Europe. This was an incredible kingdom, and it still is a great kingdom today. It is just one that is now being used for evil, very much, very much like Haman. And so what you see today happening in Iran during this period of time is just like wicked Haman is in control again, because the reality is you see Islamic leader after Islamic leader of the Shia of Iran, these Muslims continuing to stand up and say how they are wanting to destroy Israel and wipe it off the face of the earth, push it into the Mediterranean Sea. This is the same kind of language, the same kind of attitude of Haman, who was part of the Persian kingdom. And the princes and the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127, that's right, over 120 provinces in all to every province in its own script. That is, because this was such a vast kingdom, everyone did not speak Farsi. Everyone did not speak the language of the Persians. Many did, but others had tribal languages. They had regional languages. They had dialectos, dialects, just like they did in the New Testament era. For instance, in Acts chapter 2, where there were people there from various dialectos, various dialects. That means not glossa. Glossa is a language that is like English, but within English, there are various dialectos, dialects, like there is a Massachusetts dialectos. There is an Alabama and especially South Alabama dialectos. There is an Appalachian dialectos. I speak normal English at times, and then other times I will speak Appalachian. That's what I was raised with. I know how to speak that. I know how to communicate with that. If you're going to deal with people in the East Tennessee mountains and foothills and the mountains of North Carolina, Western North Carolina, Southeastern Kentucky, Southwest Virginia, and North Georgia, many times they will pick up on your Appalachian dialectos. Well, this is what this is saying, that in all of their various languages, dialectos, and scripts, 
the decree was sent out so that there would be no mistaking that indeed this was a decree and edict from the king. And he wrote it, that is, Mordecai and all of his scribes that knew all of these language, they wrote it in the name of King Ahasuerus. They sealed it with the king's signet ring and sent letters by couriers on horseback riding on royal horses bred from swift steeds. In other words, it was urgent. Why? Because the Jews needed to prepare for what was coming up. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews, yea, encouraged them who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives to destroy, kill, and annihilate the very trio of words that were used toward the Jews. The very same trio of words that were used against the Jews are now being used by the Jews related to people that wanted to kill and destroy and annihilate them. And so it says that they would assault them, both little children and women, to plunder their possessions. That is, these families were going to destroy the Jewish families, and now the Jewish families were going to be able to protect themselves, and if fired upon, they would destroy and kill and annihilate those who came against them. Would to God that would have happened before the great burning and holocaust of the 30s and 40s. And it says in verse 12, on one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, a copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all the people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Shushan, the palace, the citadel. Verse 15, so Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, Tehelet. That is, it was like a violet blue and white with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen with purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness. That is, they had now, instead of the prospect of doom and destruction, now they had one of joy and of life, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews. That is, they converted to Jews. Why? Because they all of a sudden got religious and no, 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 because of fear of the Jews that fell upon them. You see, this happens down through the annals of history whether it be Jews converting to Christianity because of threats or others converting to Jewry because of threats or whatever the case. You see, it goes both ways. People will do what they need to do to save their families. This is what you see happening.
Now, when we get into chapter 9, we're going to see that the Jews actually did destroy their tormentors, those who had it out for the Jews, those who on the outside might have all of a sudden had a change, but on the inside, they had already expressed outwardly their feelings toward the Jews, and the Jews were wise to do what they knew to do so that they could continue to live freely in the land and be blessed in the land where God had sent them. Yes, where God had sent them. Remember, God is the one that brought about the exile. Did he bring the people back in the land? Yes, he did. But remember, most of the people did not go back with Zerubbabel. Most of the people stayed scattered throughout the lands of the ancient world simply because that is where God had scattered them because of their sin. And wherever they went, they took the message of God with them, and they took their culture with them, and they fertilized all of the world of the Persians and the Babylonians before them and the Greeks after them. And that made way for the Messiah to come and for the gospel to get out. But that's for another day. As we walk on the way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.